Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode where Willie and I discuss what it looks like for classes to guide airing office bearers into compliance. Well, we're back with another episode, uh, just Willie and I. We figured it's been a little bit since we've had uh, an episode, just the two of us, and we like to do that occasionally, and especially since just scheduling conflicts the last couple of times has had Willie not been able to join us, and so I always love to give him a chance then to to speak a little bit more because, you know, everybody knows I'm the talkative one, or at least that's what my wife told me recently. Like, you just talk a lot. Uh, so, I'm, I'm just the one who likes to keep our listeners guessing. <laughs> so we wanted to come on and talk some of the uh, kind of things happening in the CRC and we'll see where the conversation goes. But one of the one of the topics that has been coming up a lot besides. So we're, I think you're going to see from us it, over the next year, you're going to hear a lot of conversation about Gravamen. Right, because that's kind of the unresolved issues of Synod 2023. So that's going to be coming up in Synod 2024. So mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of conversations from us about Gravamen over the next year. But but I think even more relevant to right now, it seems like there's a lot of conversation about another thing that actually was decided at Synod 2023. And, and it was decided that that all classes would guide into compliance office bearers who are not in alignment with the denomination's position on, on human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of conversation about uh, what that looks like and, and how do classes do that? So we wanted to just take an opportunity to start having that conversation here. And hopefully we can have a conversation that's helpful to uh, people in various classes, you know, there's classes out there that aren't divided on this issue. There are classes out there that are completely affirming on this issue. And there's a, quite a few classes, I would say, that are divided on this issue. And they're trying to figure out how do we how do we live in line with what Synod has told us to do? So, Willie, what do you think uh, would be some good first steps for people who are in, uh, let's say, a divided classes? Because that's going to be probably the most contentious spot. 
what steps that they should be taking in their classes to help guide um, these office bearers into compliance? Well, that's a wonderful question. And I think by the time this episode drops, it'll be the day before or maybe two days before some classes start meeting. I know Classes Lake Superior meets, um, I, I want to say, the 18th and 19th of next week. So uh, I'll be sitting in the classes meeting as this comes out. <clears throat> That's true. Now, part of this uh, is going to come to fruition in Classes Lake Superior because uh, Steve Zwart, who was the reporter for my committee, Committee 7, he'll actually be chairing our classes meeting next week. Uh, and he has kindly asked myself and our elder delegate if we would kind of give a synod recap at our classes meeting. So that's a unique position for uh, Steve because he was the reporter for committee seven uh, for the majority report and he's chairing our classes meeting and he's kind of implementing that um, into the agenda for classes. But I think that's something that's intentional mm -hmm. uh, and I like the intentionality of the discussion. I would say, I think I can say this publicly, Classes Lake Superior is a classes that probably needs to have a conversation like this. Yeah. Um, I would say there's probably plenty of unity and agreement about this, um, but probably not a total agreement on this. Um, and we're in an interesting context in my classes because we are the binational classes. Uh, so we share, I don't know, something like a third of our churches with Canada. And they are entering into these discussions right now as well. Um, so I think conversations like this are a very proactive way of saying, here's what happened at Synod. Here's what it means. Here's what it doesn't mean. Um, and just being clear and honest about these issues. Um, and then when we move over to your committee's work, um, and I believe it was recommendation, was that C that did pass about um, calling yeah. office bears into compliance? Yeah, it was a report 8C. Yep. Yeah, report 8C. Then I think we can go ahead and say, you know, here are some ways that we do that. Um, this is the confessional teaching of our church. Declared confessional doesn't mean elevating or making. It means this is what the teaching has been and is going to be. Senate has spoken twice about this definitively and decisively. Um, and because of that, we are going to ensure that office bearers are walking in line with what our creeds and our confessions clearly state. Um, so that's some ways in how Lake Superior is handling it. Um, and there's other ways that we can do this, but what do you think of that so far? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I would say that's at least the basic entry point mm -hmm. for having some of these conversations is just to bring it up in a synod report and then talk about it. Um, and yet I've heard, you know, I've heard from a number of people where, they're worried because, you know, they, they're, they're concerned that CIC is just going to ignore uh, some of these recommendations, right? Because sometimes you have a CIC in a classist that's either more progressive or there still is this real, uh, throughout the CRC, there's this uh, fear of confrontation and uh, worry about like, we don't want to shake things up in our classes right now. So we're just not going to address this. And yet Synod has declared that, that all classes would start guiding into compliance because like you said, we've decided this two years in a row. There's, there's, there's no changing. There's no going back on this unless some massive new information comes to light. And so um, 
Synod decided that these office bearers needed to be guided into compliance because this is who we are as a denomination. So action needs to be taken. So, so there's going to be some classes that where, where they're going to try not to address the issue because they don't want to have the conflict. And so uh, it probably isn't enough just to do a synod report in that I would encourage, and, and everybody kind of knows their own classes, classes better than, you know, after you've been in it for a while, you kind of get an, a feel for the classes and what's going on in there. And and so I just encourage some people, you know, if you're in a classist and you don't think they're going to bring this up, they're, that they're not going to address this, um, I'd encourage you to write even just a classical overture mm-hmm. to your classes saying the grounds of the overture would be, here's what Synod has told our classes to do. And so you're overturing your classes to to take action on that and i would even encourage you to think through how how you would encourage your your classes to start taking steps in that direction because you know there is confusion uh, around what does it mean to guide airing office bearers into compliance what what role does classes have in that and um and so uh i would encourage you if you are going to write some kind of an overture uh, do some work on your own, provide some recommendations, some ideas on how classes could begin doing that work. And then, um, and then present it at classes because then the conversation has to come up. It has to be addressed mm-hmm. if it comes in an overture. And, and, you know, there's the benefit too, that even if your classes, if your overture comes up and it gets, uh, shot down at classes, you have the ability to then send that on to, to Synod and have Synod talk about it as well. Um, and so uh, that would be a way to help Synod have that conversation as well. So that's that's just one, one way to kind of make sure the conversation actually happens. And if it doesn't happen this fall, like you said, like Willie said, you know, there's a lot of class, fall class meetings happening like now or when these episodes come out. Um, but start writing an overture now for the spring classes meeting because all of that will get taken care of before synod as well. So even if your overture comes at the spring classes meeting, it could still get forwarded on to synod uh, by your council uh, as well. So that's a way to just force the conversation in a time when we're, you know, when people are nervous about having some kind of conflict, or maybe even people are just tired and weary from conflict because, it, you know, some classes have been kind of battling over this for a long time and they're tired. And yet uh, we need to have the conversation. We do. And uh, some classes have approached this, I think, from a responsible place of saying, because of and in light of the decisions made at Synod, um, we will be making our office bearers and our classes be consistent in that. And we are only going to send those who are in full agreement with Synod's decision to Synod or COD or any broader assemblies. And a lot of people think, well, it not that kind of low trust uh, to which I would say, well, actually what it's trying to do is it's trying to increase the trust that we have in our office bearers. Um, so that's what this is all about. It's calling people not just into compliance, but also into a place of integrity. Uh, The CRC needs to be a body where office bearers can serve with a sound mind and with integrity. And if you can do that, please do. If you can't do that, then we have mechanisms in place to help guide you and further instruct you. 
But there comes a time when you must be honest with yourself and say the what the confessions teach and with what I believe are are two very different things. And I must go ahead and bow out. And ultimately, this is what's best for the church as a whole. Um, we don't do this. We don't have these conversations to hurt people or to be divisive. But we have these conversations because we care about the purity of Christ's church. So this is why these things need to happen, as you've stated. Yeah, and that's really, you know, uh, part of what the conversation was with our committee as we were writing this recommendation to come before synod was um, we, we need to have this conversation. And yet we did keep the, the language vague intentionally. We, we didn't, we're not synod did not decide to kick everybody out of the denomination. Right. Right. Um, Cause the goal was to guide them into compliance. We want people to stay. We want people to, to repent and live in line with true doctrine. Right. So, but, but every classist knows how to do that um, in a, in its own unique way, really. And so uh, everybody's got to figure out how to have this conversation and, and we need to start having it. And uh, we need to start having it not just at synod. Um, it needs to happen at the classical level. Um, and it can, I mean, sure, congregations need to have this at uh, like, at a congregational level, at a council level as well, everybody should be having that. But uh, we know that that's not happening either. And so then the next, the kind of the next buck up the line is classes to start having that mm -hmm. conversation um, with congregations and, and office bearers who are neglecting their duty. The next stop is not synod. Um, it's classes. And so classes, I think, really need to start taking this responsibility uh, seriously and start acting in, in line with it. And, you know, it's also one of the, one of the other things that, um, came out of <clears throat> report eight C from my committee is that we did give some, some guidance to, to classes on using church visitors in order to, um, start kind of pursuing this. And, and actually, uh, it's really, it is the the role of the church visitor on what they're, that's what they're supposed to do. It says that the role of the church visitor, this is in article 42B of our church order. Their task shall be to ascertain whether the office bearers of the church faithfully perform their duties, adhere to sound doctrine, observe the provisions of the church order, and promote the building up of the body of Christ and the extension of God's kingdoms. Kingdom, <laughs> not God's kingdoms, God's kingdom. But so one of the roles of the church visitor is to, to meet with a council and to make sure they're adhering to sound doctrine. Like that's the role of it. And, uh, and so that's why our committee was encouraging, okay, church visitors, we need to get going and, Start doing that work with the, in your classes and start checking in with churches to see how they're doing, but also how they're doing doctrinally and, uh, and if they're living in line with those decisions and how to, how to act in that way. And then, uh, and then bring that back to classes and figure out the path forward. Uh, one of the problems that I've been seeing just in my, you know, so I've been, I'm not anymore, but I was the chair of our classes renewal team. And we were kind of looking at 
how do we make sure classes Wisconsin functions really healthy? And so we were, I was reaching out to all these different classes and seeing how different things were working. And, and as I've reached out to quite a few of the classes throughout the Christian Reformed Church, probably one of the areas where every classes is lacking the most is in church visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably, I would say it's probably the worst aspect in most of our classes. And there are some classes that even are, have said, like, we just don't even do church visiting. That's just not a thing. We don't have church visitors. We just don't even try to do it anymore. And other classes are saying, well, we're trying to do it. We're just really struggling to get it done. We're trying to, we're struggling to figure out how to get it done. But I think um, that's probably one of the reasons why we're in the position that we're in is because we haven't been doing this work. We've been, again, one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit uh, on this podcast is that we're we're a denomination. We're a bunch of churches who have covenanted together to work together. And yet for a long time, we've been functioning as a congregational denomination uh, where everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And, uh, and we need to get away from that. And we need to get back to this covenantal understanding of what it means to be part of this denomination. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the big thing that this does is, uh, you know, that you read church article 42, a, I believe, right. Uh, B B. Um, and what that does how I understand that is it calls people to be consistent with the pledges that they made when they signed the covenant for office bearers, which says faithful for these expressions. We promise we will wholeheartedly promote, defend, promote, uh, and believe the confessions of our church. Um, and that's the crux of the issue here is, is it just about compliance? I think compliance is, is very minimal. But what the covenant for office bearers does and what the, what the church order does is it calls you to belief in the doctrines that are espoused by this denomination. And like you say, if there aren't checks and balances, then essentially we just become a, a, a denomination of local options. And it's, it's every church for himself. It's every congregation for himself. And the church order clearly says, you know, no one is free to determine for himself what is and what is not a doctrine contained in the confessions or confessed in the standards. Um, so this is a way to call people to the accountability that's been missing for a long time. Yeah. And even in, you know, you look at church order supplement to article 42B, it says synod, synod encourages classes to emphasize the importance of church visiting. Mm-hmm. acknowledging its value for maintaining spiritual health and vitality in the member congregations of the classes. And so this has been something I, we've probably been struggling with for a while because that's why Synod is encouraging classes to see the importance of this and to encourage the importance of it. Um, and yet it's all over in our church order and it's all over in our confessions, really, that this mutual accountability, this covenanting together is necessary for health and vitality in the denomination. And, and part of having a spiritually healthy church or a spiritually healthy denomination or a spiritually healthy conger, uh, classes is that you're living in line with sound doctrine. Uh, that's, that's an essential part of having a spiritual health. I would say just all health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 
that's why we we have to have this conversation and that's the role of church visitors and and uh and so I would encourage you in your classes as well I would say that probably should get brought up at this fall classes meeting or if it's too late uh bring it up at the spring classes meeting on how are we going to revitalize this this aspect of church visiting throughout our classes not just to try to weed out the those who are affirming um, in your classes, but even just to start doing this, holding each other accountable, supporting and encouraging one another um, and seeing our churches become healthy. Because like we said over and over again, how do we have a healthy denomination? Well, we do have healthy churches and that's how you start mm-hmm. it. And then you have health, healthy churches create healthy classes, which create a healthy denomination. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we got to do that work. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I have Paul's words here, you know, keep a close watch on your life and doctrine, you know, at the forefront of my mind right now. Everybody asks me, why why have you decided to go to the mat so hard on issues like this? Um, and I always tell them to heed Paul's words, and that's what we tell our listeners to do at the end of each podcast. Keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine. The two aren't the same, but you cannot have one without the other. Uh, the two are always kind of bleeding into each other. Your doctrine affects your life and your life affects your doctrine. And if you're not keeping a close watch on both of those, then you may also be found tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine um, and your ears may be tickled. So this is why Paul gave these instructions. And that's why we exhort our listeners to heed these words very carefully. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things uh, just to keep building off of that, uh, one of the ways I've been kind of refining the way I talk about uh, discipline in the CRC. You know, I've always said uh, the CRC has done a terrible job of discipline over the years. And uh, I'm actually changing my my mind on that. Um, what I'm saying is uh, the CRC has done a terrible job of disciplining matters of doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most churches have not had a hard time disciplining people for matters of life. If uh, if uh, if a man in your church is abusing his wife, the church will discipline him without a shadow of a doubt, right? If a pastor is stealing, uh, the church will discipline him without a shadow of a doubt. It won't. There'll be no question, right? If there's sexual assault or sexual abuse, that person will be disciplined, no matter what. Um, and uh, we'll, we've seen that carried out. But then you have someone in your church who's like denying the trinity mm-hmm. and people are like well i don't know it's not that i mean it's it's you know it's that's a hard doctrine to understand and i guess you know what who are we to i mean it's really confusing who are we to discipline him on that right or someone's i mean and that's the trinity i think pe- most churches would have a hard time disciplining someone for holding heterodox views on that and you get to people who are you start going down into matters of like we're talking about now matters of human sexuality and people are like, well, I mean, this is just such a minor issue that who are we to discipline somebody for this? And so we, we've separated Mm -hmm. in practice how we discipline matters of life and doctrine. And we're very willing to discipline life issues, but we're very unwilling to discipline any matters of doctrine. I think it's true. And um, I, I don't, I agree with you. And I don't think these are just, you know, minimal and trivial matters. I mean, it was, it was important enough for the council of Nicaea uh, to, and, and for Chalcedon to say what they said about the Trinity and about the person of Christ. 
And just as it was important for them to do that, it was important for Paul to write in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6 um, that those who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They will receive the due penalty for their error. Um, so again, we need to be paying close attention to our life and on our doctrine. These things matter. And these things matter because they matter to God who gives them significance and gives them meaning. So there's a lot at stake here, which is why we're continuing to have these conversations. Yeah. And, and to just finish the rest of Paul's quote, keep a close watch on your life and doctrine for by doing so you will save both yourself and mm-hmm. your hearers. That's right. And uh, the, the way to understand that from the opposite view is if you do not keep a close watch on your life and doctrine, you will not be saved. Neither will your hearers. Um, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that needs to hit us right between the eyes. And I'm not denying salvation by faith. Don't go down that road. I'm just saying that we need to understand that that's a, that's how strong that statement is. And, uh, and if you're not, especially for any of the pastors, I mean, and or not even just pastors who are listening to this podcast, anybody that's teaching a Sunday school class or leading in the nursery or raising your children, um, Paul says, keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. For by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers, your children, mm-hmm. the nursery kids, the Sunday school kids, the people in your congregation. Um, and Paul puts them together because we know, right? We know that we always act according to what we truly believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's just that's just reality. Um, if you you always act, Jesus said, right? He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And I think Jesus would just continue to take that analogy. Out of the overflow of your heart, your feet move and your hands move and act. And so like our life is always a reflection of what our true doctrine is. Um, and so we may profess with our mouths that we believe something, but if our life doesn't reflect that belief, then we don't actually believe it, right? That's why uh, Paul says they, I forget where it's at, but he said they profess with their mouths that they believe in Christ, but they deny him by their works because they don't actually believe in Christ because their life hasn't reflected that. And so that's why these things are so deeply connected. That's also why we need to discipline for both both matters. Because matters of life are just as important as matters of doctrine. And, uh, and, and if you have matters of doctrine that are out of whack and out of line, I guarantee you it will overflow and bleed over and cause issues in matters of life. And they just, those matters of life probably haven't been severe enough that people have noticed them or haven't been, haven't come to the, the, the forefront enough that it's caused enough of a problem where the church is willing to do discipline on that, but, but it will happen. And the opposite's also true. Anybody who's got massive matters of life where they need to be disciplined for, I guarantee you deep underneath that there are doctrinal issues hanging there too. I've seen it every single time. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I completely agree. It's incumbent on us to, continue to be, and this is what it means to be in covenant together. And this is what it means, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, to be in life together, um, to be walking beside each other in the Christian life and holding one another accountable. 
And sometimes that means having messy but necessary conversations that ultimately lead towards sanctification. I mean, is that is that not the whole goal here? Reformation, you know, sanctification, the purity of Christ's church, all of these things are synonymous for saying uh, you ought to be displeased with yourself as a sinner day by day, and you ought to trying to be crucifying the old man day by day. Bon, Bonhoeffer says again, the Christian life is a life that is lived from the cross. That means you're crucifying your old man and his desires day by day and trying to put on Christ and newness of life. And you need to be walking alongside people who are going to call you to that standard as well. Yeah. And we should be encouraging that from people, right? I think that's one of the, we, we've kind of gotten into this weird spot in, in the church where people, or if somebody confronts sin in your life, our reaction is, how dare you? And, uh, and rather it should be, we should be expecting that. We should actually be reaching out to people regularly saying, um, is there something in my life that needs to be corrected, rebuked right now? Is there, is there something going on here that, that I need to be, um, I need to return from, I need to ask, seek forgiveness from like you, you should be asking that of people regularly. Now I get, you're not doing that from everybody, but you should have some, some people that you trust in your life that, that you can go to and say, Hey, um, here's what's going on. Um, do I need to be corrected for that? Here's, here's what I did. I, cause you, you want to, you want to turn from sin, right? You want to flee from that and, and run to toward Christ. Uh, that's what the Christian life is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. I don't have very much else to say on that matter. I'm in agreement. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot because this is like one of my favorite portions of the Heidelberg catechism where it talks about what's involved in true repentance and, and conversion. And uh, I'm pulling it up right now. So give me a second here because it it says what's involved in true repentance or conversion. It's the dying away of the old self and the and uh, rising again into newness of life right and then the question is okay what does it what is the dying away of the old self or, or what willie was saying what does it mean to to die to yourself to 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 die to christ or as bonhoeffer said when christ calls the man he bids him come and die uh the catechism says well that means in question 89 to be genuinely sorry for sin and more and more to hate and run away from it. Okay. That's what it means to, to die to yourself, to be crucified with Christ. It means to, to die to your sin and to hate it, to hate sin and to run away from it more and more. Right. Or it's what the Puritans like to call mortifying the flesh. Mm -hmm. But the opposite of that is the, is what is the rising to life of the new self. It's wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. And so, so it's both of these things that you're, you're hating sin, you're turning away from it, you're running away from it, but also you're, you're living into this joy, a wholehearted joy in following Christ and doing what he's called you to do. And, and if you truly love what Christ has called you to do and love the life that he's given you to live, 
um, you want people to be correcting you because you know that any, you know, the step off the path that Christ has laid out for you is sin and death and destruction. So you don't want to do that. You, you want to walk down the path. You want to live the life he's called you to live. And so that means constant correction. And, uh, and so I guess I would encourage anybody listening to this. If, if you don't have someone in your life who's regu- who you can regularly come to, who's willing to correct you, rebuke you, train you in righteousness, uh, find somebody who will do that. And, uh, and if you caught what I was quoting there, I'm quoting scripture. It says all scripture actually is God breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be uh, complete, equipped for every good work. And so you need somebody who's doing that to you, with you as well and using God's word uh, to do that with you as well. But find somebody who can do that. And, uh, you know, Willie and I have had that relationship over the years where we're both willing to come to the other person and say, okay, here's what's going on now. Do I need to be correct or rebuked in this? That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. That way you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to the Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of Willie and I's conversation about guiding erring office bearers into compliance. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So, keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. <laughs>